a mentor to the young people and to people that, you know, don't understand our world. That played a factor. But then you push, you push, and then everybody around you understands, like, hold on, he might really make something. Welcome to the Ernst Rose Show. This is Ernst. This is the Ernst LaRoche Show. Got a special invitee, one of the best players out of Montreal, Toronto. A very good friend, somebody that I respect. You don't need no introduction. His name is Christian Cabengo, a.k.a. CK. What up, man? You already know, bro. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, bro. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good, man. They got you living large, man. They got you with cameras <laughs> and stuff and lights, you know. I was like, damn. <laughs> Yeah, man, you know, I had to get you here because, you know, your your story is, a, is something that people got to know, you know. Mm-hmm. You did a lot of big things for, you know, the city of Toronto, the city of Montreal, and people got to know your story, you know. Yes, and, sir. You know, people don't know this guy from Montreal speaks French, and then you made that transition to Toronto. You know, can you yeah. talk about that? Um, like I say, um, it, was, it, it was in a tough transition because you're young, so you catch on to things early. Mm. But uh, it was a tough transition as far as, like, going from a co-op in Montreal to moving to the hood, like, quote-unquote, the ghetto in Toronto. So that was the biggest transition, and especially going to school, too, like, learning how to count in English, which you could do, but now you got multiply, divide, and all that stuff. So you you would know how it is, you know what I mean? But um, it was a tough transition, but a good transition. Depending on, you know, the family you got around you, the friends you got around you, and the type of, you know, mentality your parents give you and stuff like that. So I wouldn't sit here and make it look like it was too tough, but it was tough. But at a young age, we captivate things quicker than at an older age, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, when can you say you started playing basketball? Um, I really started playing basketball at 12 years old. 12 years old? Man. 12, yeah. Where did you get the love? What happened? What was the, what caused you to play basketball? Um, I, I used to love hockey. Like I said, I could skate, I could play hockey and stuff like that. But um, the, the, the basketball thing came from like the urban sense of like moving in the hood in the city mm-hmm. out here. And then my, my, my cousins that live in the States, my dad got a lot of family in the States where I went a lot and they were playing basketball. And the biggest thing for me, I'm not even gonna lie to you, bro, is just being picked last. Mm-hmm. You know, that feeling as a kid, you don't wanna be picked last. So that always was my motivation. Like, damn, they picked me last, they picked me last. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and not last as far as like everybody's 15. Like, there was guys that was like 10 years old, 12 mm-hmm. years old getting mm-hmm. picked up before me, you know? So that's when I knew I had to put work in and mm-hmm. really get it in, you know? It's funny because uh, me and you went to school together at New Mexico State, and you were getting picked first. <laughs> yeah. You know? And uh, I just want to say that, you know, from the transition from your first year to the second year, you know, is something that, uh, it's something remarkable, you know, the way, you know, you got better through the, through the year, through the summer, you know, so... It's funny that you said that you were getting picked last because <laughs> I yeah. don't see that, you know. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, and it's crazy because, well, it's not crazy. It makes sense because nobody sees the work we put in as far as the athletes are. Like, not even just athletes. Let's say just basketball because it's like your basketball thing. But as far as playing basketball, nobody sees the work. Everybody just sees when you drop 30 or you had, like, the poster dunk 
but only had two points that game. (laughs) You could throw a poster dunk and only have two points, and that's the only thing people remember, right? Right. So from your peers, like people like you and people that I looked up to, that's what what was my motivation. That's what, like, pushed me to, like, keep going harder or go harder when I thought, like, I'm about, like, I thought I was going to go to New Mexico State and say, like, I'm about to be the starting point guard with ease. But then I go in there and I see a dude like Ernst LaRose. <laughs> and then you do your research and it's like, okay, it's not all a fairy tale, you know? So I think having people like you, not not think, I know, having people like you and and then having goals for myself definitely had my, fo- had my foot on the back burner, like, the whole way through. It was like, yo, I got to push through and I have to try to be better than the people that's before me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, and that being young, it comes as a form of disrespect because you don't know how to tame it and pay homage. But uh, being young and looking and coming from where we come from, like the inner city and the poor inner city kids, it's like anything that's like better than you, you don't really know how to give in and just say like, yo, this is better than me, let me learn. So you try to yeah. beat it, you try to beat it. You try to do what they're not doing or what they're doing times 10 or what or what not, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like people really don't see the work that you put in. Like people I don't know how people perceive you, but for me you're one of the most talented talented player you know I've been around. Mm-hmm. And I've seen I the work you, you you already know. I appreciate that the long <laughs> way. Like it means a lot. Yeah. And then uh I was seeing the work you put in and you know, I could really feel that you really love basketball. The reliance on sports to make it out isn't as heavy as going to school. I think that that played a factor. But then you push, you push, and then everybody around you understands, like, hold on, he might really make something. You're one of the most hardworking person I've, you know, encountered. And people don't see that. Um, I remember one time I, I went to the gym in the morning, and then, ooh, I see CK. You slept in the gym, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was... I didn't even know how to take that, but in my head I'm like, man, this guy crazy, but you know, you love the game so much that you gave everything you, you could, like, you know, yeah. and, you but, know. You know, uh, to me it's just, uh, I wouldn't have slept in the gym if I didn't feel that pressure, mm-hmm. you know? You come in as a freshman and you got your own, you know, aspirations or the the, the things you hear in the hood how good you are, and then you go to the field where people actually do it and play ball every day. Because you're going to look good to the people who hustle. You're going to look good to the people who don't make ball as life. Mm -hmm. But the people who ball is really life, like a dude like you, like I walk in a building, and I'm a freshman from Toronto, well, from Montreal, who grew up in Toronto on and off. 16, I moved to North Carolina to play prep school basketball. And I had to leave home to make it where I'm at. So when I see a dude like you who didn't leave Montreal, who at the time is learning English and learning the whole concept and is there, you got to understand how I view that. Now it's like, oh, wait, I didn't know this part of the game. So for you to make it through what you made it through, like, you know, learning how to speak English, then learning how to do school in English, because I had to go through that too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then to get a scholarship from Montreal and never have to leave. You ain't got to go to no prep school. You don't got to go to, you know what I'm saying? Like, you stayed home the whole way. So that's the pressure I had to deal with. It's just like, bro, I got to sleep in the gym. If I don't sleep in the gym, mm-hmm. 
then this dude's gonna pass me. But it's not a negative pass me. It's of let me catch up to the norm, mm-hmm. like you know, or let me be ahead of the curve, should I say? Mm-hmm. Because I was a freshman getting minutes. Yeah. But I wanted to be a freshman that run a team. But I couldn't do that because there's dudes that really do it. Like, you know what I mean? So I think I would have never did what I did if there wasn't people like you around. Like, you know, especially a dude like you because we come from the same native land. Like, you know, you're Haitian, I'm African. That's not that native land, but I'm talking about, like, where we was at. We both from Montreal. So for me to see another Montreal dude, it definitely opened my eyes because, you know what I mean, to what, what we're exposed. So I think it was just more of a fear of... Uh, Catching up, but not letting anybody catch up. No, for sure. Yeah, you know I mean. Yeah, but you know, it's okay. It's good that you had ambition that you wanted to be the best player, because by the second year you were the best player on the team. The only thing is, we were seniors. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. I already knew you were gonna be something special. You know, and you did a lot of special things. You know, you went from Toronto. You went to the states in high school. You could have went to many schools, and you decided to come to New Mexico State, you know. And then after that, you went to the G League. So people should know about you. You did a lot of good things. Yeah. And I also wanted to talk about, you know, the politics of, of things, how people perceive you. And I don't understand why CK is not one of the best out there. Like, your name should be everywhere, <laughs> you know, for real, for real. So can you I'm talk a little bit about the, the politics and, you know? Um, you know, I mean, there's definitely some politics, but, you know, I don't want to make this segment just about the politics because yeah. the politics is, like, a term we use for, like, excuses, you know? Yeah. I, I, did, I, I did have opportunities, maybe not a longer leash than everybody did. You know what I mean? Maybe my leash wasn't as long as everybody, but... You know, I had chances, but at the same time, you look it up, there's not too many kids, there's nobody from the NBA that's from the inner city. You understand what I'm saying? We deal with a lot more than these other average hoopers got to deal with. You know what I mean? We deal with living in a ghetto. We deal with the violence that come with the ghetto. We deal with it's just the temptations of being a young boy in the ghetto and seeing what you see and trying to emulate that in your life to be there because you want to be a part of a group. You know, mm-hmm. we had to learn late to separate ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like everybody else, but we just didn't have the tools it took to separate. But even in the midst of all that, we still separate. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we just consider ourselves lucky. We don't consider ourselves like the elite group who separated because we're always humble. Because even when I was at New Mexico State, and it's a forty thousand dollars scholarship, and everything's paid for. When that winter break comes to go to Christmas, I'm going back to the hood. Yeah. When summer comes, I'm going back to the hood. You know what I mean? So I'm not experiencing the limelight that everybody's thinking. And at the time, we could walk into Walmart. You see, when we used to walk in Walmart, our jerseys are hanging. We ain't get no money off that. Yeah. They don't even have our names on the jersey, but our, you know what I mean? But our ball jerseys got our names on it. So it still doesn't hit for real, for real, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of politics, you know what I mean? But then at the same time, a lot of people don't understand what, like, an inner-city kid has to deal with opposed to the kid that's in Vaughn or the kid that's in Brampton or Mississauga. It's a whole different ball game. Like, my parents can't drive me to the gym. Mm-hmm. 
Because if you live in Mississauga or one of them areas, you got to get driven. My parents don't drive. My parents come from Africa, where sports is a distraction from school. So me playing sports isn't really their forte. But if I came home and I said I want to be a doctor, they're going to move. Everybody's going to try to do what they could do to make sure you get to nursing school or whatever, right? And sports is something that we used to treat so delicate. It's like you could, you could burst your knee. You could break your ankle. You could, so, you know, the importance or the reliance on sports to make it out isn't as heavy as going to school. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that, that played a factor. But then you push, you push, and then everybody around you understands, like, hold on, he might really make something. But then you got dudes from the projects, your coach isn't playing you. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, keep working, you're going to get your time, they're like, yo, your coach is bugging. You should be getting minutes. So now you're feeding into that energy because you don't have those role models around you to really mold you as far as that. And not to say I don't have role models because I have my father, but my father doesn't know sports in this country. He's trying to make me go to school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's so many things that the inner city kid could fall into opposed to just playing ball because your parents got it or your parents are all right, which my parents were never all right. And I love them for not being all right because I wouldn't be who I am. You wouldn't be who you were if your parents were all right. You know what I'm saying? Certain mm-hmm. things we had to figure out for ourselves, and then you kick it back to the next generation and your kids and such and such. You know what I mean? See, this is why uh, what did you hear? Because <laughs> <laughs> you just said everything is just a two-minute segment. You know? Yeah. Me, you know, part of that, doing the podcast and talking to people like you mm-hmm. is to be a mentor to the young people and to people that, you know, don't understand our world, you know. I want to yeah. educate those people and understand that we went through a lot to get to where we were, you know. A thousand. Going to the gym without our parents there, this is a big thing because, you know, without having the push of your parents, it's, it's I think it's like an obstacle, you know. It is. People, they, they, your parents telling you, no, don't play sports, don't play basketball, you're wasting your time. It's like, you know, we didn't grow up in a, in a household that pushed you, that, that, that have positive uh, reinforcement yeah. for sports, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's funny because... You know, my parents, I give them a pass, but, you know, you have a lot of people that I would think they would know about sports, but they don't. They know? don't, yeah. A lot of people have no clue, so we like the first kind yeah. of generation. Yeah, the first generation to really know? emulate that to your family, to let them know, like, yo, sports could get you school, it could get you this, but, like, where our parents come from, they come from war, they come from poverty. School, the dudes that went to school, they were, the, they were brighter than the dudes that was just, you know, playing sports or hustling or whatnot you know mm-hmm. back home yeah. but here is like so now you gotta like not only you gotta prove yourself to yourself you gotta prove yourself to the people you play against which is not hard but then you gotta prove yourself to the people that you live with and mm-hmm. that's like the hardest part that people don't really see like my mom ain't driving me to the gym because she thinks there's opportunity for me to play ball like, I got to put that in her mind to say, yo, there's an opportunity for me to play ball. You know, and yeah. over time, then they're like, wait, LaRoche could play. <laughs> You're right. She's telling your dad, like, LaRoche could play. She's telling, but your bros and all them, they know already. Yeah. Because yeah. they're there, you know, which you can't fault them. But 
So that's what I say. Like, the politics isn't really the politics. The politics is just us not knowing, our parents not knowing. Because I know if you have your child, you know the ins and outs. So there's no limit to where he could go. But to them, there was a limit because they didn't know. You understand what I mean? So that's why I feel like we're more thorough. But in the mix of all that, we got so lost because you fight with, should I play ball? Well, maybe I could hustle. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can work. Then you do all three things and still play ball. And we're the lucky ones because we're the, this is God-given, man, because we did all three. Right. And we still ended up where we were. We did the same thing every other kid our age was doing. We just happened to have that little extra drive. When they wanted to sleep till 10, we would wake up at 6 because we had extra drive. It's like, I'm still going to kick it with y'all, mm-hmm. but I got to do this for me. Exactly. I'm going to go do this. Right. Because that's why y'all rocking with me anyways. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that, that was the whole thing. Like, as far as politics, I don't really like to say politics, even though there is a lot. But I think, like, to bring up politics, you got to make it. And when I say make it, it's not NBA, but it's like make it where you're solidified, then you can pinpoint. Because if you don't make it to a certain level and you bring up the politics, they try to bring it down, like, you making excuses or oh, oh, right, you know how right, you know right. how you know how it is you know what I mean? No, definitely, no for sure. But um, you know, when when whenever I play with you, you know, uh, I, I feel the 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 passion. Yeah. You know the the bravado. You know, I used to be like, oh, self control. I make a shot. I want to be like, oh, I've been there before. But you know, when I met you, you make a shot. You're like. Ah. You're all in people's face and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I love all that energy. Where do you think that, that comes from? And do you think people perceive that energy sometimes in a negative way? Yeah, uh, I think people perceive that in a negative way. But, you know, like when we were playing ball, it was so it was such a long time ago. People weren't as open to the same idealism that's going on right now. Like to be a young black man at 15, 16, be tattoos all over your, you know, all over your body. I think they judged it early. You know, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. But you go from 2020 to 1996, 1995, Dennis Rodman is doing, rocking the same hair, the same tattoos that the kids in 2020 are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, even the rappers, they were in dresses. Dennis Rodman married himself, rocking a dress. We looked at him like he was crazy, but people were doing it in 2020. And I just feel like it was more of a thing where, like, people are so scared to what's new or what's not the norm mm-hmm. that they just go against it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in, in, in life in general, you know. Not to be politically, not to make this a political topic, but look how many black kids get murdered just because they were, quote-unquote, a threat because they're not understood by what's going on, or look at the Mexicans, because they're not understood, you know, Trump, I should say, got his whole little, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go deep in that, but you know what I'm trying to get to. Unfortunately, we have to take a break. In the meantime, let me talk to you about Pro Performance. It's a service that I run. I do basketball training with kids and pro athletes. If y'all want to get the best workout in the city, come through. Let's get back. So basically, my my drive and my um, energy, mm. a lot of times it gets like overlooked 
You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. I feel like if I didn't have tattoos all over my body, mm -hmm. if I didn't come from the hood, everybody would consider that passion. Mm -hmm. But because of where I come from and the, the hood background, mm -hmm. people take it and make it a negative light. And a lot of times, it's not even just a negative light because of that. It's just a negative light because I didn't, I didn't fall in line to listen to certain people that, were, that had Toronto basketball on a pedestal when it was on. Right. It's funny because... You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, I understand because, you know, I played in the All-Canadian and I played for Team Quebec, and I don't know if you played in those. Never. And this is not supposed to happen. Yeah. The best player out of Canada, out of Ontario, should be a, should be on those teams, you know. And mm. you know, uh, but for me, like I told you, you know, you're a success. Your story is a success. And um, you know, tell tell me what basketball taught you, like, you know. Um, basketball taught me a lot. You know, I didn't play ball at two years old or eight. I played basketball at twelve. So from 12 to 14, I mean 12 to 16, four years to get a scholarship to go play at Mount Zion Christian Academy where Trace McGrady and Amari Stoudemire played. It just showed me that it didn't matter what I did before. It was just about what the work I put in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it wasn't just the work because everybody tries to make it look like you could just sit in the gym for six hours and you're going to be this amazing player. No. A part of it is God choosing you. Like, dude, you're going to have this skill. Mm -hmm. Two is you got to have this skill. Mm -hmm. And third, you got to be able to say, forget what's going on around me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And from, that, from a young age, I, have that, I, I had that in my mind because I went from being in games averaging scoring six points. If the next game I scored eight points, that was a highlight for me. Mm -hmm. Because it was like I did better than the last game I did. But other people be like, yo, I had eight points, I had 16 points, but I didn't dunk, so it wasn't a big game. Mm -hmm. But for me, yeah. But for me, it was more like, um, to me, it was more like a challenging myself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as much as I could go at it with myself, that's what got me better. But then, not just myself, I was able to look at other people. And again, that's why I say you played a big role because I could I could look at you and be like, damn, he I had the I had the I had the stack that dealt against me, mm -hmm. but he had a bigger stack than to get dealt against him. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when you see somebody doing that, you gotta push harder. But it's not just to push harder for myself; it's just to get that respect. Like he gonna respect me. He ain't gotta like me. He ain't gotta come <laughs> over and say yo. Ernst ain't gotta come over and say yo. CK, you my dog, but. I just want him to go to sleep and respect it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let him go to sleep and respect it. Like, you got to respect what I'm putting down because I'm respecting what you're doing, but I can't come to you and say, yo, I respect what you did. Mm. Even though I'm older now, now I could really, you know, have a clear mind. So, you know what I mean? There's so much that goes into it as far as that. But to me, the energy is just from the pain and, like, what you really go through. And I think that that's one thing, like, we, you're Haitian, I'm African, but we both got parents that came from the motherland. Yeah. So it hit us different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. hit us different. But we could always relate to that little thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, uh, to be a 
to be Haitian and 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 and, and come to Canada and speak English, no, learn to speak English, speak French, and still speak a native language. That's a lot, man. Mm -hmm. So if you could do that, you could do anything. That's how just, that's just how I look at it. We just, exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that's that's why I want to tell the kids that they can do anything they want. Yeah. No limits. And if it's in science, it's in computer, if it's in whatever, they can do it. And, anything. You know, like, this is one of the roles I want to take upon and really help people. And, you know, your story is, is amazing. Just being here, I'm learning stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I, I can see all the obstacles that people in the inner city go through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's good that you're sharing all your your experience and stuff like that. And it's really, sure. it's really Because think about it, like, you didn't have nobody from Montreal. There's a bunch of people from Montreal that move from different countries. Mm -hmm. Move from Haiti that mm -hmm. try to play ball. Yeah. But how many of those try to be your mentor? None. Yeah. Understand? It's our job to do that, regardless of how far we go. Mm -hmm. Because it's, this world is funny. It's always going to come back, man. Everything's going to come back. You think you're helping this little kid shoot a free throw, that little free throw done turned that kid into a three-point shooter. And then someday when you're at home, he's just going to mention you. Like, <laughs> man, I remember being at the gym at six. And you don't even remember this kid. Right, right, right. Ernst LaRoche was in the gym, man. You know? Mm -hmm. And I learned, you know, the biggest the biggest lesson is not only that you could do anything, but we get so caught up in um, what have you done lately that we yeah. forget what we did. <laughs> like, right. dude. Always give yourself a tap on the shoulder. Like, you went from Haiti's old boy to Montreal. You shouldn't even been playing sports because it's hockey in Montreal, which I played, so mm -hmm. I would know. Mm -hmm. You didn't play that. Mm -hmm. You learned ball. You didn't even play soccer, which is a sport that we played native at home. Right. You played ball. It stayed in Montreal. Even when people were like, you ain't going to make it, because you must have heard it from everybody. You ain't going to make it. Why are you going to the gym? You do that, you go to school, you graduate. Not in French, in English, you graduate. Like, you know, you go play pro. Bro, those are things that, like, people, <laughs> as, big, as big as we try to make the world seem, like, that's a dream that you live that people won't even ever live in a lifetime. Like, you know, and for me, that was the biggest thing. It was like, even though it was an NBA and it was NBA D League, and even though it was an NBA, it was NBA Summer League, it was still like, yo, dude, for where I come from, people don't see this. Mm -hmm. People don't do this. People don't. So it's my job to, first of all, give myself a tap on the shoulder, and then it's my job to show these other youngins, like, yo, you could do more because you're younger and you know, and, I, and I'm here to give you the blueprint to mm -hmm. how to do this thing because I was doing it with no print. Right. I was doing this off the freestyle, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the word you said about yeah, right. me, you know. Always. <laughs> always, always, always. You know. Always, man. And, you know, I see now that, you know, you're helping the kids, especially like you're saying, that men the mentoring part. Um, you know, talk about, you know, what you've been doing and uh, what's oh. going on right now. 
Um, right now, I'm still juggling playing overseas or whatnot. Uh, I'm running a junior NBA basketball at Scouting Court, and that's like one of my biggest things. Um, uh, Scouting Court, 707, Dundas West, you know, uh, main intersection, Bathurst and Dundas. It's big to me because growing up, we never had that. So to me, it's like I brought NBA, junior NBA to the projects, mm. or we brought as a community, but with me as the forefront because the kids could relate to that. Somebody that they see that did it and is doing it, um, that's big to me because as far as legacy, as far as like the impact we leave, because I would love for me not to make it to the NBA for 10 years, but 10 kids from my neighborhood make it to the NBA for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I could go to sleep with that. You know, without having the push of your parents, it's like an obstacle. Be a mentor to the young people and to people that you know don't understand our world. You know? educate those people and understand that we went through a lot to get to where we were. I know how people treat the game when there's refs and when you got to call your own call. <laughs> right, so right. I love it that the refs are there and stuff and the kids are eating, they're learning. And at the same time, bigger than that, it's just camaraderie. Camaraderie with everybody else, you know what I'm saying? Everybody can be friends, everybody can be cool, uh, learn from each other different religions, you know what I'm saying? Different mm. backgrounds, different upbringings. So that's just the big thing to me, is just bring it back to the inner city and find those kids that, that can really take it to the next level and make it. So we can start having kids from the inner city make it. Unfortunately, the show is done. See y'all next week.